Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. I'm your host, Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight, Vanessa is back on the show, and she'll be guiding us as we wander around the streets of Toronto, Ontario, on an autumn day. First though, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're so grateful for their support. I'm sure we've all been through times in our lives where we've wished there could be a user manual to help us decide the best approach to overcome difficulties. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. I used BetterHelp a couple of years ago during the times of lockdowns and all the added anxiety that came with it, and my therapist really did help me cope so much better. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% on your first month at betterhelp.com slash get sleepy. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash get sleepy. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to hear even more episodes, we'd absolutely love for you to try Get Sleepy Premium. It's our supporters' subscription, where you can enjoy well over 400 full-length episodes completely and entirely ad-free. Plus, every Thursday, we release a new bonus episode just for our premium subscribers. Like tomorrow, where I'll be telling the first in a series of stories about a lady called Kate and her charming new home, a picturesque windmill in the English coastal town of Scarborough. To find out more about Get Sleepy Premium and enjoy a seven-day free trial, go to getsleepy.com support or simply follow the link in the show notes. Your support really helps, and it means the world to the team and I. Now then, let's take a moment to get comfortable in bed before we begin tonight's story. Snuggle under your blankets, cocooning yourself into the warmth and safety of them. When you've found the right spot, take a deep inhale through the nose and exhale out through the mouth. And again, breathing in deeply. Then imagining any tension in the body or mind leaving with the exhale. With each exhale of breath, just visualize tension 
flowing down through the body and out through the tips of your toes. It's okay if you sense tension or stress as you inhale, but just use the exhale to gradually let it all go, bit by bit, unhurried and naturally. Continue to follow the calming pattern of your breathing as we wander the grid-like streets of Toronto, which are covered in autumn leaves. Begin to feel the crisp breeze and hear the sound of crunching underfoot. We're in no rush this evening so let the pace of your breath meander along, just like our leisurely walk. And with that, I'll hand over to Vanessa as we step into the vast country of Canada, where our story begins. You stand on a quiet street, taking in the yellow, orange, and red colors on the branches around you, and the crumpled brown leaves underfoot. Narrow brick houses line the street to your left, and across the road, Children in woolly sweaters are swinging in the park. Their parents sit on benches, chatting and laughing as they sip on steaming mugs of hot cocoa and warm apple cider. You can hear the gentle hum of an electric streetcar and the voices of people talking and laughing a few blocks away. Wandering down the street, you pass an older couple walking their dog who nod and smile at you. Soon, you arrive at Queen Street, a main road filled with life. Traffic crawls by and horns honk, but this doesn't stop people from enjoying a leisurely day. Bundled up groups of friends huddle together on patios, enjoying the last days of the year before winter takes their gatherings indoors. As you pass, 
you catch the scent of foods from around the world. Al Pastor tacos, steaming bowls of pho, sizzling falafel, freshly chopped sushi, and garlicky pasta. One of the best parts of living in this city with people from all over the world is getting to taste delicious food. You pass by thrift shops, a staple of this trendy part of town, where stylishly dressed mannequins seem to wave at you from window displays. Stopping for a moment at the art store in a one-story brick building, you admire the handmade jewelry, clothing, greeting cards, and even typewriters made by local artists. While this area of the city isn't far from the center, it feels almost like a small town. You warm up in the shop while chatting with the owner. A jewelry maker from the West End comes in to drop off more stock. You're the first to see some of the beautiful designs and gorgeous stones she's made. Stepping back out into the crisp air, you cross the street and enter a cafe. Giant pumpkins are resting on bales of hay in the back of the eatery. They bring forth memories of fall, of exploring pumpkin patches, picking apples at the orchard, and trick-or-treating for Halloween when you were a child. You smile at the memories and order a warm apple cider to go. As soon as you smell the hot drink, it whisks you back to your childhood days once more. But when you step outside, your mind refocuses on the present moment. For the fall scene that greets you is too beautiful for you to be thinking of other things. Red and white streetcars scoot down the road on their tracks and wires that match the red leaves on the trees. You walk further along the street, passing an independent bookstore. Gazing at the display of books in the window, 
you look forward to the autumn and winter days ahead, you'll spend curled up inside some of your local cafes reading. But today, you want to take advantage of the sunny, mild weather and explore. Continuing west down Queen Street, you pass by the Broadview Hotel. This Romanesque-style building used to tower over the city, but now it looks at home amongst the high-rise apartment buildings. Its impressive architecture made this a popular social club in the early 1900s. You decide to pop inside and take the elevator up to the rooftop where some of the glamour of the 1920s still remains. Once at the top, you pass by people ordering drinks and sitting in booths and on leather bar stools. You find one to perch on so you can get a bird's eye view of the city. Then you order a coffee and let the mug warm your hands as you watch everything happening down below you. Old blackened brick buildings meet sleek, modern ones. The muted colors are broken up by patches of colorful trees and green spaces. The breeze touches your cheeks as you take in the view. The people below who are going about their day, all wrapped up in scarves, look tiny from up here. Removed from the direct noise of the street, there's a sense of calm on the rooftop. You enjoy living in a place with four distinct seasons. It seems as if things are always changing, just like the ever-changing city itself, with its new restaurants, new shops, and new faces, but always the same streets. The sun glitters on the windows of nearby buildings as you finish your coffee and head back down to street level. Continuing west, you cross the Dawn Valley Bridge next to a rattling streetcar. You marvel at the way some buildings in this area 
are so new, and others are over 200 years old. Then, you walk south, following the dried-up river, and come to a hidden park with scattered families sitting on blankets, having picnics. The leaves are thicker on the ground here, and they crunch underfoot as you walk. Birds hop from branch to branch, serenading the picnickers with their songs. Exiting the park, you walk west again, past the shops and restaurants of the Canary District. Once an industrial area with only one diner, called the Canary, the neighborhood is now a thriving residential area. Still, they keep the name to honor their history in the city. The street widens into a promenade lined with trees dedicated to countries that participated in the Pan Am Games. Their leaves, too, are changing color with the season. White, fluffy clouds float in the sky as you make your way to the historic distillery district. While only spanning a few blocks, this part of the city is filled with interesting stories, art, and people. The narrow cobbled lanes, brick buildings, and black metal gates welcome you to the area. It almost feels like a city within a city, protected as a historical place. High rises surround this part of town, but there are none in the small streets of the district. Tourists amble from shop to shop, buying maple candies and locally made chocolate. Artists hurry in and out of galleries, carrying blank canvases, their pants stained with paint. You can see the thin sea and tower in the distance to the west. Its point shoots up above the rest of the skyline. It's not far, but it feels 
worlds away compared to the squat, old buildings of the distillery district. As you walk down the lane, you notice a chocolate shop and decide to step inside. A rich smell meets your nose when you open the door and the woman behind the counter smiles and gives you a small wave. You're lucky enough to have come on one of the days when they're making fresh chocolate in the factory at the back of the shop. Joining some other customers in front of a glass window, you watch the liquid chocolate moving round and round in a giant stainless steel mixer that is so big it almost takes up the full room. Chocolatiers are pouring the liquid chocolate into different trays and mixing it with flavors before placing the trays in a fridge. You wander around the shop looking at all the varieties of chocolate they have. Raw chocolate, brownies, cookies, Bars of every flavor from Newfoundland sea salt to Ontario ice wine. You pick out a few goodies to share with friends later and then leave the shop and head back onto the cobbled lane. Following the road further into the district, you soon find yourself in a square. There are more shops and restaurants here, and children run around playing games while their parents gaze in historic windows. Walking down to the bottom of the square, you stop in a cafe that used to be the fire hall. There's an old fire truck next to the red brick building. And when you enter, a chandelier with fake candles to set the mood hangs from the high ceiling. The mosaic floor meets 
a Victorian-style counter. The grand mirror on the wall makes you feel like people could have been grabbing coffee from here for the last hundred years. You purchase a warm drink and a slice of pumpkin pie and settle in to watch the colorful leaves blow in the wind outside. Finding a table near the window, you listen to the general background noise of the cafe. The espresso machine blowing steam. Metal spoons clinking against ceramic mugs. The chatter of people enjoying a coffee break. The whoosh of wind every time the door opens. And the music playing softly under it all. This is the perfect place to spend a lazy afternoon watching the people go by. The district has a unique mix of tourists, artists, artisans, and curious locals. You watch them pass with woolly scarves and pom-pommed hats, scattering the brown and orange leaves underfoot as they walk. The sweet taste of the pumpkin pie is delightful and makes it feel even more like fall. It's got a hint of cinnamon spice to it and goes down smoothly with a sip of tea. You pull out a glossy magazine and flip through the pages, enjoying that you have nothing that needs to be done today and nowhere to rush to. You can just enjoy each moment as it comes. When you finish your snack and feel ready to continue your walk, you button up your coat and amble out into the fresh air. You cross the square to the opposite lane, finding yourself once again in a narrow cobbled alleyway. Soon, you pass by a couple of art galleries with interesting offerings 
inside and continue on your way. Exiting the distillery district, you cross the street to the esplanade, a quiet little slice of green in the center of the city. You see a game of basketball and some teens doing skateboard tricks before coming out on the other side. The street is busier now as you wander to the St. Lawrence Market. The roof is shaped almost like a barn, but the brick exterior with arched green-paned windows makes you feel like you've yet again been transported back in time. And you very well could have. A farmer's market has been run on this site since 1803. Inside the bustling building, brick archways welcome you to the lively market. Food producers from all over southern Ontario are selling fruits, vegetables, meat, fish, and dairy. As you wander deeper into the market, you pass stalls selling artisanal chocolate, tea, and coffee. Even further in, you find the antique stalls with treasures from eras past. You're not here to buy anything today, just to look. You enjoy browsing the furniture, sculptures, and trinkets people have found, scrounged, and saved in this city. Since people have come here from all over the world, the antiques hail from many different places, brought by grandparents and great-grandparents alike. In many cases, they traveled far to get to this country. And now their descendants get to share their cultures with a new generation of Canadians. You listen to vendors 
and visitors haggling over prices and admiring different goods. The chatter echoes around the hall, from the food stalls to the artisanal stalls to the antique market, making the space feel alive and animated. Spending a bit more time wandering through, you see someone buy a whole fish and another person ask for a vat of oil. Fruit and vegetable vendors start to pack up as their stocks run low for the day and you take it as a sign to move on. After all, there's still so much more to explore in the city. Walking down busy Front Street, you watch families popping in and out of stores. Businessmen walking by with laptop bags slung over their shoulders and couples meandering slowly, taking in their surroundings. In a few blocks, you find yourself in front of one of the most uniquely shaped buildings in the city. Wedged into the parcel of land between Front Street and Wellington Street, the Gooderham Building was erected as an office for a nearby distillery. Its interesting wedge or triangular shape makes the building look small and narrow at first. But as you walk past, the building widens to match the available space. The mint green pointed roof is framed by skyscrapers in the financial district just behind. You spend a few moments admiring the building as you pass, taking in the red brick and the artistic details of the design. Then you walk on past the Hockey Hall of Fame, celebrating one of Canada's favorite pastimes before turning left toward Lake Ontario. One of the best things about the city 
is its location on one of the great lakes. When Torontonians want to get away from the busy city for an afternoon, they head to Toronto Island. You decide to follow their lead and head to the ferry terminal to wait for the boat to arrive. In the summer, this space is filled with families hoping to visit the small amusement park on the island. But today, only a few others are waiting with you, looking for an escape. Or perhaps they're some of the few island residents. A small ferry approaches, and a smiling crowd disembarks before you're allowed to board. You find a seat outside so you can watch the city float away as you drift toward the island, which is just a 10-minute boat ride from the center of Toronto. The view doesn't disappoint. The tall CN Tower and white bulb of the Sky Dome, where baseball games are played, take center stage. Behind the buildings, modern skyscrapers, housing condos, and offices make up the familiar skyline. A cool breeze blows around you as the ferry picks up speed and you pull up your scarf, getting nice and cozy. Water laps against the side of the boat, rocking you gently back and forth. You arrive at Toronto Island with a gentle bump and watch as a rope is thrown to anchor the ferry to land. You disembark with the other passengers and wander down the car-free island road. The island was once a peninsula, but the strip of land connecting it to the mainland was destroyed by a storm in the 1850s. You follow the road past a lagoon with houseboats and a bridge leading to one of the residential areas here. 
very few people are lucky enough to live in this beautiful place, which is covered with trees. It feels as though you've traveled deep into the countryside, though you're only minutes from a bustling city. With no cars to brush them out of the way, the fallen leaves line the wide path you're heading down. It's incredibly satisfying to hear them crunch underfoot with every step you take. Each time you pass an opening in the trees to your right, you get a glimpse of the Toronto skyline. And when the landscape opens on your left, you can see out into the open water and watch the waves rising up and down. People cruise past you on bikes, laughing with friends, and you watch one family hosting a picnic on the grass next to the road. You pass the Gibraltar Point Lighthouse, a small white beacon that's one of the oldest lighthouses in North America, and take a moment to walk its circumference. Soon, you find yourself at a small pond with a bench where you take a rest, breathing in the fresh air. Wandering a bit further down the main road, you cut out on a narrow trail through the trees and shrubs, walking over a thick pile of leaves. It's that delightful time of year when the ground is coated in leaves, but there are still some beautiful colors painting the trees. Before long, you come to one of the island's beaches. This one is quiet and has a view of the city in the distance. It's getting close to sunset and you settle in for the show. You lay a wool blanket on the beach to sit on and pull another out of your bag to drape over your shoulders for warmth. It already feels cooler 
as the sun sinks lower than the tip of the CN Tower and the sky begins to shift from yellow to a pinkish red. The colors on the trees combined with those of the setting sun make you feel like you're in a work of art. The pink, yellow, and purple rays dance on the shining windows of the office buildings, putting on a light show for you and the other people scattered around the beach. As it starts to get cooler still, you gather dry leaves, sticks, and a few logs to build a bonfire. The sky is bright with purple and pink now, and the light blue overhead is growing darker by the minute. You pile the leaves under the sticks and lay the logs on top. When others on the beach see what you're doing, they come join you with smiling faces, bringing wood from where they were sitting. Together, you watch the sun disappear, getting to enjoy this moment with strangers who now feel like a community. It's amazing what kind of power a shared experience can have. When the sky goes dark, you light the fire, watching the flames lick the leaves and eventually travel to the logs. You warm yourself by the crackling blaze and look up at the stars. If it weren't for the red, blue, and yellow lights running up and down the sides of the CN Tower, you might not believe that the biggest city in Canada was just a few minutes away. Everything feels still and peaceful here. The group starts chatting and sharing stories around the fire. Stories of where they come from, 
what brought them to this city and what their favorite things to do are. Everyone has a different reason for traveling to the big city and everyone has journeyed from a different place. It's one of the things you love about Toronto. How all the different cultures and backgrounds combine to make one big story. After the evening tales are told, everyone quiets down again as they gaze into the flames. You lie back on the beach and see the lights running up and down the tower set against the stars. You hear the fire crackling and the odd whisper of one friend to another. Waves crash against the sandy shore. Soon, you'll catch the boat back to Toronto and snuggle into your cozy bed. But for now, you're completely content here, taking in the city from afar.